Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. What's up, Winter Meltdown? Good morning. I heard that. That's, uh, that's not nice. Uh, my name is Tyler, and I am, uh, I'm so pumped to be with you. How many are just tired? You're just ready for that bed. You, you are ready to sleep. Every leader's hand is raised. No. Hey, I, I am, uh, I'm hoping that we can get uh, some boost of energy tonight. Can we just give it up for Liberty Worship Collective for ushering us into the presence of God? Man, that super powerful. This is my second time to be at uh, River Valley Ranch. Anybody who, first time, first time here, first time? Awesome, awesome. You're going to love it. Listen, I'm honored to be here. They asked me to come back, so I think that's a good thing. Uh, so I'm happy to be here. And listen, before we get started, um, this will be very boring if you stay quiet, okay? Like, I will be your participant myself talking if, if we stay quiet. So I'm going to need your engagement. I'm going to need your participation. No, no, that is not what I'm asking. I don't, I don't want you to talk over top of but I'm going to, I want you to engage with me, participate, okay? If you, um, if you speak over me, I will kick you out. Um, no, I can't do that. Um, our theme for this week is uh, one family, right? One family. We all have families. Some of us love our families. Who loves your family? That's very quiet, and that's frightening. Okay, all right, all right, calm down. Okay. We have families we love to be around. Some of you don't have families that you like to be around, right? You, you have families that you want to avoid. Some have two parents. Some have one parent. Some have no parents, right? We, some have siblings, some have none. We all probably have that crazy uncle, right? Like, we all have, listen, true story, I never thought that I had a crazy uncle until about seven years ago. Like, he was cool, and then something happened, and I don't know what. Like, he just got real weird. Like, the kind of weird, like, you do not want to be near him, like, at the family reunion, you're like, oh my gosh, he's coming, right? I'm not going to mention his name, because this is being recorded, and in the event that he listens, I don't want to offend him and have any awkward uh, interactions at our family reunion, but it's the kind of thing, like, hey, if my wife is by herself with him, I'm like, hey, babe, like, let's just, let's just walk over to, to this other family member, right? We all have that crazy uncle, right? We all have families, we all have different families. And at this point in the talk, like this is where I would show you a picture of my family, but I don't have a picture of my family. I actually brought them here. So they are in the back. I can't even see them, but Brady, Olivia, and Rachel, can you wave? Give it up for them, everybody. They are back there. My wife and I will be married for uh, 10 years in July. 10. That is a decade. You're smart. Thank you. That is a decade. Um, I, I know I don't look old enough to be married 10 years and have two children, but I am. Um, I, Brady is six, Olivia is four, and she is pumped to go paintballing with you tomorrow. So um, that's a joke. <laughs> this is the engagement part that I was asking you for. Um, it makes me feel better. Um, but we, we, are, we are so excited uh, about this weekend. I'm not excited just because I get to speak to you. I'm excited because of what you have the opportunity to do this weekend. You're going to have the opportunity to, to hang out. You're going to have the opportunity to make friends. Some of you are going to get those digits. I know it just happens at retreats, right? You're going to have an opportunity to connect with your leaders. You're going to have an opportunity to just have some fun. You heard all the activities that are going on. But here is, here is our prayer 
that in the midst of the fun, in the midst of the connection, that you have an even greater connection, and that's in a connection with your creator. You are here because we, our youth leaders, River Valley Ranch, all the staff, myself, worship team, like, we, we hope that, that you meet Jesus this weekend. We, we hope that you leave here a little bit different than the way that you came, and, and, and that's why we're just excited. We're, 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 we're hoping and we're praying that if you are open and willing, that you will leave here transformed. I don't, think, I don't, I don't mean just changed. I mean transformed, like an, like an inward change, like an inward transformation, that a, a transformation so much that you go home and your parents are like, what did you do this weekend? Like, you, what, 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 did you, what did you eat? What did you do? Like, there is something different about you. And I pray that you're transformed, not because of anything that I say, but because you encounter Jesus. And I promise you this, listen, if you encounter Jesus, everything can change for you. Like, I, I, that you can say amen if you want to. You don't have to. I can just be quiet, or you can be quiet, and I can just talk to myself. But uh, Jesus can change everything. Thank, okay, Jesus can change everything. See, now, we're, now, now you're learning, right? We're, we're going somewhere. So we're, we're talking about families, and um, I want to highlight a super dis- dysfunctional family uh, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, I don't know if you know this, your Bible is split up into two parts, Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is old, right? It's stories, it's narrative, it's awesome stuff. In the Old Testament, the first half of your Bible, you'll, you'll see this man named Hosea. Everybody say Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. And uh, a prophet, if you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet was someone that God used and God would speak through people that were prophets. He spoke through these people, and the Old Testament is filled with prophets, right? Filled with prophets. So God spoke to this guy. His name was Hosea, and it says this in Hosea chapter 1. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, I'm going to pause right here in the story. Everybody say pause. pause. Hosea is a prophet. This man was a, was a man of God. He was respected. He was an influencer, right? Like Hosea made himself available to be used by God. He was popular. People loved what he had to say. Like he was legit. He was awesome, right? But then God spoke to Hosea, but when God would speak to prophets, the prophets would tell other people what God said, right? Like, God would speak to nations through prophets. But this time, God used Hosea as a real-life object lesson, and God told Hosea, go marry a promiscuous woman. I am so glad you asked me that question. A promiscuous woman, I mean, you can probably ask your youth leader, and they would love to talk about that. Um, but a promiscuous woman is, is uh, well, promiscuous is someone who just has sex all the time. This is where you giggle, right? This is, this is the giggle moment. So get it out of your system. I said sex. Oh, my gosh, I said sex. Okay. Prom- yep, you probably should be. So the, this promiscuous woman, some translations say she was a prostitute. Like, she, she earned money having sex, right? So God said, 
go marry this woman who is having all the sex she wants, who is probably getting money for it, go marry her. Can you imagine what Hosea must have felt in that moment? This, this, this is a man of God, right? This is a, a respected leader of that time. He was a godly man. And God said, Hosea, I want you to go and, and marry her. I want you to marry Gomer, right? But not just marry her. I want you to have children with her. Like, th- this is a big deal for someone who was highly respected, someone who was so well-known in the community, someone who, who was preaching what God was t- saying to him. Like, this was, a, and now God's saying, go marry a woman who was looked down upon. Go unite yourself and have children with, start a family with someone who, who no one really wants to be around, who is disrespected all the time. Like, go marry this woman and, and have children. Can you imagine what he could have been feeling, right? We're talking about one family this weekend. And so what I want to do is I want to highlight some aspects of a family and tie it into to a spiritual family. And I want to do this by highlighting four different aspects of the family of God. And I want to preface this by saying these things that we're going to talk about all weekend are not easy. These things are not easy, but if you can embrace these things, I promise you this will lead to a full life and a godly life. This will lead to personal freedom. This will lead to healing. This will live or turn into the, the abundant life that God has promised you. And I want to say this kind of like a spoiler. I really hope that this weekend that you join the family of God. I really hope that you say yes to joining the family. And so every session that we are together, I'm going to give you an opportunity to join that family because it is going to be the best decision that you can ever make. Is that cool? All of you are like, I don't know if this is the greatest decision I've ever made. It's the greatest decision, right? Come on, Christians. Is this the greatest decision? Dear Jesus, help me. Okay. So when we talk about, when we think about the family of God, the first thing that I want to talk about, the first aspect of being in the family of God is this word called obedience. Everybody say obedience. As a parent, I value obedience a lot more than I used to. Uh, When you have children that um, laugh in your face when you tell them to do something, uh, you really want them to be obedient. Um, And I've learned that you can't hit them. Um, Apparently, it's frowned upon. So... um, Right now, you probably hate this word obedience, right? You probably um, don't like hearing that. Uh, And it means that you do something that someone else wants you to do, right? You've got your parents, you've got teachers, you've got your youth leaders, right? And, And they all probably encourage you or ask you or tell you to do something. And out of respect for their authority in your life, your response should be obedience. But the same is true of God, right? God is the ultimate authority, and and we need to be obedient to the things that he is telling us, that he is calling us to do. And another word for obedience is is this word surrender. And when joining the family of God, surrender is your first step. When joining the family of God, surrender is your first step. But what does surrender really mean? Surrender simply means releasing control. 
But I love the true definition of surrender, and it's this. Cease resisting. Isn't that good? Cease resisting. Stop fighting. In the Bible, in the New Testament, there was this man, and his name is Matthew, and uh, we get an insight into his story uh, in, in a book of, of the same name, the book of Matthew, and it says this. You can follow along on the screen. It says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. At this point in the story, Jesus is fresh into his ministry, and he knew he couldn't do his ministry alone. So he, he, he tried to gather this team. He went around to try to build this team. And as he was walking around town, he spots this guy, Matthew, and uh, the Bible says that Matthew was sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, that might not mean anything to you, but in, in that time, no one liked tax collectors. I think even today, no one likes tax collectors. Like, we hate the IRS, right? Like, we, we don't want taxes at all. I understand it pays for stuff, like, cool. But, like, no one wants money to go out of their pocket, right? No one liked tax collectors because they often cheated people out of money. Right? They, they often took more money than what was required. Matthew was not liked. He cheated people out of money. He lied. He was, he was far from good. So Matthew's collecting taxes, right? And Jesus kind of like, I can envision him cutting in line, and he says two words to Matthew, right? Two words that completely changed Matthew's life, and those two words were, follow me. And it was in this moment where Matthew made the best decision of his life. Now, the Bible is an amazing book, right? It's an amazing collection of life-changing truths, right? I love that book. It gives amazing detail, but there is so much that the Bible doesn't say, right? Like, think about it. These were real people that actually walked the earth. Like, Jesus was a, an actual human. Matthew was an actual human that had feelings, emotions, thoughts, behavior. Like, these were real people with real feelings, with real lives. So there's no way that every single detail could, be, could have been written in the book. So when I think about Matthew, the Bible doesn't say it, but I like to picture what could this have looked like for him, right? Like what, what could this moment have looked like? And when I think about it, I have to think that Matthew, in choosing to follow Jesus, had to sacrifice some things, Right, like he had, he had to give up some things. The Bible doesn't specifically say what was sacrificed, but I think we can all understand that when you follow Jesus, some things have to be sacrificed in your life. Right, some things have to be surrendered. Some things have to be let go. So with the remaining time I have with you tonight, I wanna give you three things that need to be sacrificed when you give control to Jesus. The first thing is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. If not, just... Pay attention really good, okay? Number one is this, your future. Everybody say future. When Jesus called Matthew, there really wasn't a conversation, right? Like if I, if I came to some of you and I said, hey, I don't know your name. What's your name? Right here in the front. Kara? If I said, Kara, let's go. 
I would probably put money on it that Kara would ask me two questions, one of two questions. She would either ask me, after saying you're creepy, uh, she would ask, she agreed. Why did you just agree to that? I'm not creepy. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. She would ask me why or where are we going, right? Like those were, those were probably some common sense questions that you would ask a stranger if they said, hey, let's go, come follow me. Matthew d- doesn't ask any of those questions and Jesus doesn't tell him any of those answers, right? When you surrender to God, I, I, wanna, I want you to hear this. When you surrender to God, you will never know where he's taking you. But that's the most exciting part, right? You'll never know where God is taking you, but that's the exciting part. Back at home, I, I, um, I'm part of the team at Freedom Church in, in Bel Air, and I, uh, I'm fortunate enough to lead a college ministry, and uh, we had this worship gathering, and uh, the worship was incredible, and uh, it was awesome. And we have this girl named Emily. Emily uh, is a goes to our, uh, is in part of our ministry, and, and she's a worshiper. Uh, she, she loves worship. So she was, uh, she was standing probably right around here, right? Worship team is up on the stage, and, and she, she's one of those, like, if she's going to worship, like, she's going to go worship. Like, she's, like, arms up in the air, eyes closed, doesn't care about who's around her. Like, she, she, she was worshiping like this. She was singing. She does these, like, she, she just is in the moment. She feels the music. She, she's in the worship, and, and, um, I, was, I remember I was standing like right over there by that pole and I was just watching her worship, which is just kind of fun. And I know my back's to you and that's rude, but I don't care. And so uh, she, she was worshiping. It was great. And then uh, the next song happened. You know, the first song is always like that, that pump up song, right? So she was up and she was great. The second song kind of like the, the beat kind of dropped a little bit. Like it was kind of like that mellow song. Everybody knows if you're in worship, like the song too, right? The tempo is kind of like moderate. It's not like a heavy song, right? Like we, we know, like, come on, we, we know a little bit, right? So like it was good. But then like that third song hit, like, like Waymaker, like, bro, how can you not lift your hands during Waymaker? Like, how can you not just weep like a baby during Waymaker? Anyway, so, like, she's, she's in it. But listen, so, like, song one, she's up and she's moving. Like, she wasn't doing this because I don't know what this is. But then um, the song two happened, and, like, and then she, like, she, she's here, right? Like, she's just going. Like, she's worshiping hands in the air. Song three happens, and, and like, literally, she is here, right? Like, she, she is, like, she could, like, grab the microphone if she just opened her eyes. Like, there, there, there was this movement of she was here, and then she turned around here. But she wasn't even facing, like, the center. Like, you would think, have respect, just face it. No, like, she was like this. Like, like almost like, what are you doing? Like, but like, it was, like, really cool moment, like, because she was just in worship. And, but she was like this. But I remember the song ended, and, we're, of course, like, there's, like, that transition moment, like, that nobody wants because everybody just wants the worship to happen. And so, like, she's here, and then she turns around, and then she goes, like, like scared, like, and then, and I, and I saw her mouth these words, and she says, how did I get here? Like, that is what she said, and, 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 and there was a beautiful picture of what surrender looks like, because when you surrender to God, you will never know where he's taking you, but when you look back and see where he's led you, you're going to say, how did I get here? It is incredible that he has taken me this far. And guess what? You're never going to know where he's taking you. But thank God that he's leading you places that you could have never dreamed of going. That is what happens when you surrender to God. Matthew had no idea where he was going, but he knew he just needed to follow and when Matthew followed Jesus, he sacrificed his career. He became a follower. He, he couldn't go back to being a tax collector, 
right? He, he couldn't go back to that lifestyle. In the book of Luke, it said that Matthew left everything. He had no idea what his career or income or future would look like. He just knew that he had to follow Jesus. And some of you are at the stage of your life where you're just stressing about the future. Some of you are graduating soon. Some of you are working. Some of you are trying to figure out if you're supposed to take AP classes, honors classes. Some of you are in middle school and you're just fearful of, of making that transition from eighth grade to ninth grade. What is being a freshman going to look like? Am I going to get stuffed in a locker? Yes, I'm kidding. Uh, like, what, what? I'm kidding. What is going to happen, right? And we can try to plan all we want, but when we follow Jesus, he will take us where he wants us to go. And I think sometimes that when we follow Jesus and we say yes to Jesus, we, we feel like he's going to take us to some exciting brand new places. Like, Jesus, I surrender to you. And like, we think like, he's going to take me to Africa and I'm going to be a missionary or he's going to take me to River Valley Ranch and I'm going to work there and it's going to be awesome. And, and sometimes we have this picture that God's going to take you somewhere exciting. But I want to look back to what happened with Matthew, right? Matthew says yes to Jesus, but, but look at this. Look where Jesus took him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Like, I'm, I'm like, Matthew is probably like, um, where, why, why are we going to my house? Like, I thought, Jesus, I thought we were going somewhere fun. Jesus, I thought we were going somewhere exciting. I thought we were going to go talk to people. I thought we were going to go change some lives. I thought we were going to go speak to people. I thought we were going to go change the world. Jesus, what, what are we doing at my house? The place that is routine for me, the place that is normal, the place that I'm used to, the place that is boring. The... And here's the truth that, that God gave me. Sometimes Jesus just wants to be where you already are. That's good. You, you don't have to tell me. I know that. Sometimes Jesus just wants to be where you already are. When you submit to God on the surface, your, your life, it may not look that different. It, it might, you might go back to the same thing. You might go back to the same life. You might, you'll probably be in the same school, living with the same people, right, working at the same job. But the difference is now you become aware that Jesus is with you. That's a big deal. Surrender your future. Number two, surrender your relationships. Everybody say relationships. Full surrender to God means surrendering your relationships, and this can be tricky because these people are our friends, right? They're our loved ones, but what would surrendering our relationships actually look like? If there are people in your life that are a negative influence, listen, you may need to, to create some distance in that relationship until you can get healthy. I came across this quote today from Pastor Craig Groeschel. He said, it's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. That's good. It's impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends, but when you surrender your life to God, the purpose of your relationships Changed. Matthew probably didn't have too many friends except for those that were tax collectors, right? And I'm sure all they did when they got together was talk about how they cheated people out, how they made more money, how they did what they did, right? But look what Matthew does. I want to look at Luke's account of the story in Luke chapter 5. It says, Then Levi, Matthew, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others 
were eating with them. Matthew's life had just been changed, and he wanted his friends to know about it. He wasn't throwing a party to celebrate himself. He was just simply providing an opportunity for those he did life with to encounter Jesus. And I believe that God has placed people in our lives, people in your lives for a reason. And when you surrender your life to God, our perspective on these relationships will change. Think on your life. If you meet Jesus face to face and you surrender to Jesus and Jesus says, I'm coming to your house and we're having a party, think on your life. Who would be the people that you would want to be there? Would you want the people that, that are already Christians, the ones that are already going to heaven, the ones that, that know the Bible verses, or would you want that person in your life that is far from God and give them an opportunity to meet him? The Bible doesn't say, but I imagine that so many other people were changed because of Matthew's invitation. So many lives were changed because Matthew had the courage to invite and to bring in Surrender your future. Surrender your relationships. And the last one is this, as the keys can come back up. When you truly surrender, you surrender your life. You give up your life to be used by God. But here's the thing with surrender. We use this word in church all the time. We, you, you'll hear it in worship songs. You'll, you'll hear it in, uh, from, from communicators. Like, this is not a new word in Christendom, right, right? Sometimes we say it, but we aren't actually doing it. Here's what I mean. I don't know how many times I've done this. I'll tell God, like, God, I surrender, like it's yours, take everything, and then I kind of just like sit down and then I wait. God, I surrender, it's yours. God, like, I'm waiting, God, I'm ready. Hello, like God, it's, it's, and we wait and we sit and we wait for this moment or we wait for, for, for our life to just like look different or we wait for God to actually come down and we wait for this bright light and we wait for like this thing to happen. And I think there's a lot to be said about waiting on God, but when it comes to surrender, what are we waiting for? Like, what actually are we waiting for? So many times we, we say we surrender, but we stay still. The Bible says that Matthew was sitting at a tax collector's booth. So you can imagine he was sitting some, some, something like this, right? Like, And the Bible says that Jesus came up to him as he was in the middle of his job. And Jesus says, follow me. And here's where I love the detail of the scripture. Because it didn't just say, Matthew said yes. It said that Matthew got up. If you didn't see that, I'll do it again. Matthew was sitting down, doing what he knew to do, 
Jesus comes in and says, follow me. And he gets up. Small detail, a lot of meaning. And the reason why he got up is because Jesus was moving. Catch this. He had to get up. In order to follow Jesus, he could not just sit and wait because Jesus was moving. He was going somewhere. A life of surrender, catch this, is a life of movement. A life of surrender is a life of movement. Are there going to be seasons of rest and stillness? Absolutely. But in order to be led, we must follow. In order to be led somewhere, we must follow. Matthew got up. He got up. He got up. Now you might be sitting here thinking, why? Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to surrender my future? Why would I want to surrender my relationships? Why would I want to surrender my life? And the reason, and you're going to hear this all weekend, is because Jesus loves you. Because Jesus has a plan for your life. Because Jesus has blessings and giftings that he wants to pour out on you. And he has so much in store for you, but in order to receive it, in order to walk in it, in order to live in it, we have to surrender. Listen, it's not about rules. It is not at all about the rules. It's about the relationship. That he loved you so much that he was willing to die a death that we deserved so that we could live the abundant life that he promised us. Anybody have a pen? Anybody? Can you, can you throw it? You like that catch? Great. The thing that's so cool about Matthew is that being a tax collector taught him how to write. They didn't have TurboTax. They didn't have Intuit. They didn't have Tax Act, right? Like they didn't, they didn't have the fancy software. They wrote things down. And being a tax collector forced him to learn how to write. And when he got up to follow Jesus, the Bible doesn't say it, but I'm pretty certain of this. When he got up, he left everything behind, except for the pen. He left everything. Again, Bible doesn't say it. You might argue. I'm sorry. But I believe he took the pen. But instead of using this pen to cheat, to lie, to steal, he used his skill of writing to write the story of Jesus. And he writes this is the story of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
God has gifted you. Your turn. God has gifted you with so many gifts, so many talents, and through surrender, God wants you to use those things not for your own glory, but for his. God chose Hosea. Hosea was obedient. God chose Matthew. Matthew was obedient. God has chosen you. So now what will your response be? What will your response be? Winter meltdown. It's time to get up. It's time to surrender because without it, nothing else matters. If you're scared, that is the perfect place to be. Perfect place. And in your small groups tomorrow, ask your small group leader, they'd be glad to talk about that. It is nothing else matters. So I want to pray for you. And I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. And I said this earlier, I'm going to invite you to join the family of God. Remember, you will not have the answers of where God is taking you. Matthew had no idea the journey he was going to set foot on. Hosea had no idea that he was going to marry a prostitute, but he said yes before God gave the direction. God, you know the hearts of these students, of these adult leaders, of the River Valley Ranch staff, of this worship team, of myself. You know, God, the areas of our life that we're holding on to. You know the areas that we haven't surrendered. So I pray for anybody who's in here that's never made that decision or for anybody here that's made that decision but's walked away, I pray that they can pray this prayer. If, if, if you want to join the family of God, just in your heart, repeat after me, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you forgive me of my sin. I want to be made new. I want to join your family. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, this is a serious moment. I hope you can respect it. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to join the family of God, for the first time, for the second time, for the hundredth time, I'm gonna ask you to do something that might seem uncomfortable. I'm gonna ask you to get up. If you, if you wanna join the family like Matthew, I'm gonna ask that you make an outward sign. And I'm just gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to speak. I'm just gonna ask you to stand. Go ahead. If you wanna join the family, no one's looking. If you want to come back, thank you for your boldness. Thank you, I see you. God sees your heart. Come on, people are standing all over the room. Jesus, you see the hearts. You see the boldness. You see the students' heart that they don't care what they look like. They don't care about who's sitting next to them. All they care about is coming 
to you. And God, that you are celebrating because of these people are returning home. So come on, River Valley Ranch, Winter Mountain. Let's give it up for these people who are joining the family of God. Come on, put your hands together. You can be seated. God sees your heart. God knows you. God loves you. And he wants to do something radical in your life. In Jesus' name. We'll see y'all tomorrow. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.